Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And we're the hosts of the Anxiety Chicks podcast, where we dive deep into the reality of anxiety, nutrition, and mental health. Listen as we explore all things anxiety healing while keeping it real, including our own struggles with mental health. We'll bring our expertise as healing professionals to the conversation while discussing the tools and strategies you need to heal the anxious mind. Listen to the Anxiety Chicks on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And we're excited to be back with you all this week, um, following up on part two of our discussion from last week about body image and anxiety and feeling just bad about yourself and all those really uplifting things that we like to talk about. Um <laughs> Some might be a little triggering. We are going to put trigger warnings on these episodes. Um, but if you did listen to last week, you'll be excited for this week because I actually am going to start talking a little bit more about what has helped me get through those moments where I feel I have those really bad intrusive thoughts about my body and about my body image. Um, I did start talking a little bit about it last week about the mirror work. So I'll just jump right into um kind of what I was talking about last time. Um, so I, I went into a little bit about what has been helping me when I think about, you know, when I look at myself and my brain automatically just goes to this negative space with my body. And all of these voices are just so loud saying like, you're disgusting, you're fat, you're ugly, like just horrible things that I would never say to anyone else and can't believe that I would ever, you know, have in my brain for myself. And, um, this, these exercises that I do in, with the mirror is essentially mirror work. There's a different, there's different types of mirror work. So the one I'm going to talk about that has been pretty effective for me, um, is actually based on research and is used honestly in a lot of, um, organizations that work with eating disorder patients and, or disordered eating, um, or any, you know, any type of any type of client that comes in and struggles with <clears throat> a lot of those types of intrusive thoughts that I just said. Um, so you might have heard of this if you're someone that struggles with this or not, but it's essentially called mirror exposure therapy. Um, 
And the reason why this is a little different is because it's more of exposing you to your body in front of the mirror. Um, and this is a part of what I do as well. Some people, it's it's very hard. So it's really important to work with a clinician that specializes in mirror exposure or eating disorders if you feel like, you know, you're really struggling with this type of thing um, and it's less acute. Mine, mine is, you know, like I said before, I... I'm not diagnosed with like an eating disorder, but I definitely have disordered eating and I definitely have a lot of intrusive thoughts about my body um, and my body image. So, I mean, essentially the the mirror exposure, like how it's supposed to work, it's supposed to help you change how you interpret things. So a lot of people with like eating disorders or, um, you know, this skewed body image, they tend to view bad situations in terms of the way that they look. So this approach really helps you to change, um, you know, like say you think something like, oh, this person doesn't want to, you know, sit with me at lunch because of how I look or, you know, the way that I am with food. Or, you know, maybe you're thinking, okay, this person has other plans and, you know, maybe it's like you're changing that way of being like, okay, we can eat eat again you know, later or something. So it kind of like changes how you interpret things. And that's very like CBT, which is probably why I like it, right? You're kind of like shifting your thoughts from like, oh my God, this person probably thinks I'm disgusting to, okay, maybe she's just busy. You know, it's like, so it helps you interpret that. Um, The exposure therapy helps you stop fixating on parts of your body that you don't like. So instead of just seeing like a flaw, you take time you take in your entire body into a more balanced way. Um, it forces you to face your fear. So a lot of times I talked about this before when I walk past a mirror or I walk past a reflection of me, I like don't even want to look at it because I just am scared of the way that my body is going to look. Um, so it helps you kind of like face your fear of looking at your body and facing your body um, and exposing it to that. Um, and it can help change the way that you think about your body. So, um, this is a huge piece of it. Um, as you are in front of the mirror, a lot of times those thoughts come up and it's just, they are there. They're very loud. The ones that I said before, I don't want to repeat them, but those negative ones, and it really helps you try to talk to your body in more of a neutral language. So essentially what you would do is, stand in front of the mirror and kind of look at your body. And of course, all those loud, negative, intrusive thoughts are going to be in your brain, right? They're going to be screaming things at you. And you want to talk to your body and kind of look at your body and say, okay, describe what it looks like in a very neutral way, right? My tummy is round. My tummy is white or my tummy is brown. Um, You know, my arms are, you know, have freckles on them. Um, And they, you know, and they're round or they're long. I have long fingers. I mean, kind of like a neutral language. I know it might sound silly, but it's really changing the way that your brain is perceiving your body instead of automatically having those negative language of like, oh, my tummy's huge or, um, oh my gosh, look how gross this is, something like that. So a lot of this is really like, again, changing the way that you think about it and like talking to yourself differently and you're in front of the mirror so you're actually like talking to yourself i don't know have you ever tried anything like this yeah and i actually got to spend some time in the eating disorder facility when i was in my rotations and they did a lot of this especially with their therapist 
there was like this huge mirror and there was like self-affirmations all around it. It was like the coolest thing. That's so neat. Did you ever experience like seeing, um, like having them practice it while you were working? Yeah, like in a front little of you. bit. It, like anyone. So a little, a little bit. It was more of like because because this was inpatient, so they were like pretty bad. It wasn't it, oh, okay, okay. It was okay. one step out of inpatient. So it was it was this house, and basically they get to. So at first you're in the hospital. And then you transition to this like kind of inpatient outpatient thing and you're in this house, which is – it's a really cool thing that we have in Dallas. And I think I think a few other states have it too. But basically these people got mm-hmm. together they, or company. They got together and they, they bought this huge mansion and it has like a ton of rooms in it and they kind of just redid it like a facility, but it's a home. So it's like being at home um, – it's a transition out of the hospital. You know what I mean? Like you're more at home than yeah, in the yeah, hospital. Yeah. In real life. yeah. So, so um, they had this room and in this room, it was where you would meet with your therapist, but it was also kind of like your own bedroom. It was hard. It, it was hard okay. to, it, it's hard to explain, but basically um, they were getting better, but not like fully better. So in, in there, they would do it a lot with their therapist. Not really in okay, – Okay, okay. Sometimes, sometimes in a group setting with like say like two or three people, but not with like all the practitioners around watching. Like the dietitians are big – they're the they're the most hated people in that facility. <laughs> they, yeah. We okay. had to work really hard for them to like us. Yeah. <clears throat> I can imagine. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. You had to t- – being able to – you know, help them understand so much about what, yeah. why they, you know, why they needed to eat certain things and so many, mm-hmm. I know, oh my gosh, that must've been so <clears throat> hard to see, but that's so nice to hear that they were, you know, putting this into place there because I, I, I can imagine how effective it is, but also something that you have to do consistently and repeatedly. It's not just like you do this once because that voice in your brain is so powerful. That's telling you all of these negative critical things. And, and, uh, you know, having to do this exercise is so important. I would imagine on like a daily basis, I know at least for, for me, that is, you know, I've never been um, <clears throat> having it as severe, you know, I feel grateful, but, um, and again, this is just like one part of the treatment. I'm not an expert on it, but I, I know that just from reading the research, it seems like it can be so helpful. And for me, it really has been. Um, but so I want to just give like another, just more clear example of, of something that I read of what it looks like. So um, in this one article I read, it, it describes how you do this practice as standing in front of the mirror and looking at a particular part of your body that's causing you stress or that you kind of, that consumes you and that you are always kind of looking at. Maybe it is your stomach for me, it is. Okay. And then you're going to describe it, like I said before, in like a neutral language. So nothing more, nothing less, just very neutral and just simply describe what you see. So for example, let's imagine someone is struggling with the appearance of their stomach and they may typically see it in the mirror and think, oh, look at my disgusting stomach. It's huge. I'm huge and I'm unlovable, right? Because all of those kind of like looking at something makes you feel all of these kind of like beliefs about yourself. So instead of using the language that's filled with like judgment simply describe like what you see. So like I said before, 
you know, you would say, I see my stomach, the shape is round, it moves as I inhale and exhale. So you observe it and you're just staying neutral. And so you're going to practice observing different parts of your body or your body as a whole. And when you use like this neutral and descriptive language to describe the shape and the color and the function and like what it does. So maybe you're looking at your stomach and you can think to yourself, um, you know, my stomach, it digests food and it holds my food and it has organs inside of it. Um, and just like being very neutral about what it does. And the reason this this helps because it can give you a little bit of relief from the judgment because you can't both describe neutrally and judge at the same time. So your brain just like can't do both at the same time. So it gives you – so this practice gives you another way to experience your body. So you can't like describe neutrally and judge at the same time. So in doing that – It's like it's how just, you can't be grateful and anxious at the same time. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. Right? It's – yeah. And and it's um, – even though we might have like certain different kind of thoughts in the back of our brain that are kind of in the shadows, mm -hmm. you can't really have both of those at the same exact time. And so, so that's how it works. So, um, you know, another level that I put into this too is I will um, – along with describing like neutrally what I see – um, and describing like what it does, like with my stomach, or if I see, you know, my thighs or my arms, I will say something like, you know, thank you so much, arms, for being able to hold, um, to being for being able to pick up my dog today when she needed to get in the car, or thank you so much, um, you know, stomach for, you know, being able to digest the food from last night. And, and making me have like a regular, you know, bathroom time or something, right? Thank you so much, um, you know, legs and, and thighs for letting me take a beautiful walk today. Because um, all of these parts of your body give you so much, you know, you might not think about it, but they offer you so much um, power in certain moments, you know? And, and I think just finding that gratitude for different parts of your body too can be really helpful, you know? Um, so I try and do that. I try and do that a couple times a day, to be honest. I mean, it takes, it could take a minute every couple, every couple hours. And it's so effective just to really try and do that. So yeah, that's really, that's really the mirror work that I love. Um, and I know that, I know that it's it seems like easier said than done because you're still going to have those critical thoughts. Like I'm just thinking about how I still have these thoughts. <laughs> They're just like loud sometimes. And if I, you know, I don't know if I just eat a certain thing or like something and I, and it can get really frustrating and you just want them to go away. You just want, but it, you really just learn to live and accept. It's like acceptance, right? I practice this work and then I accept it. And I really, again, feel grateful about the parts of my body that, um, you know, that give, that make me me, right? So it's all about like loving yourself too. Like it really is about like loving who you are inside and out because it really makes me me and it makes me unique and I have to love every part about me. You know what I mean? Like I really want to. So anyway, that's really it for the mirror work. 
Um, <laughs> I know that we were talking a little bit about your mom. You were saying, or not your mom, uh, you were saying you're talking about your mom a little bit in the last episode, but you were also talking about your um, like journey with this type of thing too. So I don't know if you want to start there or what do you think? BO comes from bacteria all over the body. So why do deodorants stop at the pits? That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi, the world's best whole body deodorant. Its acidified formula is clinically proven to control odor-causing bacteria everywhere, pits, privates, and beyond for a whole 72 hours. As an OBGYN, Lumi's founder, Dr. Shannon Klingman, met thousands of women concerned with odor below the belt. She discovered it wasn't the vagina to blame, but bacteria on the skin. So she created Lumi, a pH-optimized, aluminum-free deodorant that actually works. Lumi doesn't just mask odor with fragrance like other deodorants. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts, and works everywhere, with over 150,000 five-star reviews to prove it. As a special offer for listeners today, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code ANXIETYCHICKS at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code ANXIETYCHICKS. Yeah, that works. Um, I think for me, okay, so this goes back to high school. So kind of another reason why I have medication issues, <laughs> prescription medication issues. So I got put on Adderall and Vyvanse. And these are ADHD medications. And I think I wanted to get on them because I'm a perfectionist. I don't think I ever really needed them. And I think I saw my friend get on them and I knew a ton of people on them and they could just like study forever. They were so focused. And I was just like, oh, I want to be extra focused. You know, as a high schooler, you don't really think like bad of a prescription, right? Like you don't really have like, you just look at it as like, oh, this thing's going to make me focus. So anyways, I get on that. My mom was so mad. She did not want me to be on it. She's like, you've always done good in school. She was like, why do you need to get on this? So I fight her. I get on it and uh, it makes you lose your appetite. And I, like we've said, trigger warning for all of this. This isn't a good idea, but I basically just never wanted to eat. And I saw that as a good thing after a while. And I feel like I never had those thoughts before then. And so I think I started having those thoughts because I started getting compliments. And I think this is a lot of times in society where we mess up a little bit. Somebody sees you and they say, wow, you look so good. And that in a perfectionist or somebody with anxiety or an overthinker's brain takes that compliment as I didn't look good before. You yeah. know what I mean? You hear, wow, you look so good. And it's like, okay, well, what did I look like before? Oh, wow. So this weight loss is making me acceptable by society. I'm finally enough. You know what I mean? And so it just, it, it, yeah. I, never I never had those thoughts before. I don't remember having those thoughts. And then all of a sudden, I, I, remember being, I remember in middle school being like very confident in myself. And then yeah. all, like in my body per se. And then in... It just, it just was that switch of getting those compliments of you look so good. So then I didn't think anything of it. I don't think I really knew about eating disorders or anything. And I was just like, oh, you know, I'm not hungry. It's just like, it's okay. It's okay to eat less, right? 
Then I, I pick up running and I'm running like, I get up to like six miles a day. And I just think like, oh, this is good for me, right? Well, I'm like also like not really eating. So then I'm losing more weight. Yeah. I'm getting more in shape. I'm getting more compliments. And mm. then I graduate high school. I go off to college and I don't realize how bad it is. Like I don't think I realized what an eating – I wasn't like going out of my way to be um, – I wasn't looking at it as like, don't eat. It's a weird thing. I was just like, oh, I'm not hungry. Like I would tell myself I'm not hungry. I would run a lot and I just didn't look at food as fuel. So then I'm in college my freshman year and I was actually doing pre-med at first. Well, then I get a hold of my, I get a hold of my medication because my mom at first was like holding on to it and like she would give me my dose each day when I lived at home. But then in college, like I have it. So then I feel like I became more savvy in the sense of like making, finding ways to like not eat. And I felt like that's when the thoughts really started taking over. And I remember my parents came to visit me uh, for like family weekend in college. And my mom looked terrified. Like she saw me and she was just like, and I didn't even think I looked that skinny. But oh. I look back on I look back on uh, pictures and I'm like, you don't even look good. Like my head looked like it was like on a floating body. Like oh it my just gosh. it didn't even look good. But in my head, I didn't even think I was that skinny. And I was just like, what? And I would get like I started getting defensive. Like oh. when people would like question if I was eating or whatever. And then I started noticing my mood was changing with like my thoughts. And my thoughts became a lot more obsessive on can't eat that, can't do that. So then I completely change my direction in college. I become so obsessed with diet and nutrition that I think becoming a dietitian is a good idea because I want to just 24-7 focus on nutrition, right? Because that's where a lot of eating disorder patients' mind goes is they just 24-7 are thinking about food, thinking about the next meal, thinking about calories and all that stuff. And I'm I'm like, what better way to learn more about nutrition than spend my whole day at school learning about nutrition? Little did I know that I was going to actually learn about how we should be eating and nothing about diet. A lot of people, I'll, I'll be like, I'm a dietitian and they're like, oh, can you help me lose weight? And I'm like, that's not even what a dietitian is. Like I maybe had one course over like weight loss. Like my whole like dietitian degree and experience was all clinical, uh, like eating disorder, very far away from weight loss. Like it's just not really a dietitian thing, honestly. Okay. So, so this is actually when my anxiety got really bad actually is I think I was just so nutrient depleted. I think I was on high doses of of uh, ADHD medication because that's the thing is it stops working as good. And so then you start to feel more hungry during the day and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm moody and hungry. And like everybody will say that who takes this medication long-term, you keep having to up your dose. And so I I went to this doctor who just, she would just write, yeah, you could up, like she would just write me a new script, barely talk to me. She couldn't see I was completely disappearing in front of her. That's the thing that makes me so mad is how could she not see from the first day I went to see her to then that I was just a skeleton of myself? Then it got to the point where my mom could go into there and get my prescription, make it make sense, because I was in a different state. 
And they were like, oh, you can come in and just say she's okay and we'll we'll write the script. And I'm like, th- this is where I just started developing so much mistrust and just so much with prescription stuff because I just felt like it was a system that I could play and that no one truly cared about me. And um, that's when I started getting severe, severe panic attacks. I had a breaking point. Hmm. And um, I remember just like, looking in the mirror and being like, you killed yourself. Like you literally killed, you killed yourself. Who knows what you did to your body, depleting it of nutrients like that for so long. Like food is fuel. Mm. Food, food is what makes us healthy. And I remember just like, I was, I feel like I was like literally psychosis at this point. Like I was not okay. I was so far from okay. I was having a full blown mental break. Just like, it was like one day I just woke up and my mind was like, what did you do? Like, why did you do this to yourself? Why yeah. did you hurt yourself like that? Because you're hurting yourself. You really are. When you when you starve yourself of nutrients and food, you are damaging yourself. Your organs, every part of your body needs fuel. It needs fuel to be okay, to function, to have fat is so good for us. It protects our organs. Like when you truly like look in the mirror and tell yourself those things, it's like this one day when I'm an old granny and I have this extra fat on me, it's going to be good for me rather than being a skeleton of myself who becomes an old granny who has no fat to protect her organs. And then you, you know, just as you get older, gravity and like just life, you start losing a little more weight. And then that's truly the patients we see who don't do well with treatments. Like when they're older and they get an issue, the ones who have a little bit of extra weight on them do the best because they have something to lose. Whereas a patient who's super skinny when they're older, they don't really have much to lose. And it's it's more scary on keeping their nutrition up because their organs need to be protected. Because if you don't have enough yeah. nutrients, our body starts eating at our organs. That's just facts. And so- I know. It was a huge eye-opener for me and led to just super, super panic. And from that day forward, I completely changed my life. Like literally looked at nutrition and food as this is good for me. And then I think I sort of was orthorexic in the sense of labeling foods as good good and bad. I was so focused on like eating things that's going to like help my health and like looking at bad foods as that that kills you, that's cancer. And I think a lot of people go through that. Mm. If you have health anxiety, you get very scared of foods if you hear something bad about it. You know, like, oh, if I hear uh, candy has, you know, red dye in it and that red dye is bad for us, then I'm too scared to eat it. So I went through like that. Then I just started getting to a place where I realize life is about balance and everything we should do in life is about balance because if we're sitting around stressing about what we're eating, good, bad, we're labeling everything, we are causing our body so much more stress than eating that piece of food. You're better off having that little bit of enjoyment, having a date night, going and getting some pizza than sitting at home in such fear of that pizza. That is causing you more stress than probably Mm -hmm. eating that piece of pizza. So- I just got to this point and you know it's it's a journey. I feel like with uh disordered eating, like I said I was I was also never diagnosed eating disorder but clearly disordered eating. Um yep. and the thing with disordered eating is I feel like it's super prevalent. It's not talked about enough. I feel like a lot of people go through it. I feel like social media plays a huge part in it with the young girls nowadays. And I think education is so important because when you're young, 
you're not thinking about your organs. You're not thinking about what food is doing to you, what food is is for you. You just see food as food makes me fat. I feel like that's the thought well, process of people <clears throat> with disordered eating when you're younger. Right, right. Well, and I was just thinking about like the even the word just like thinking about the word fat is just so I don't know. I just I don't I just it's it, the way that the way that it's been used because I don't want to say yes. the word because I think that yes. with the body positivity movement, I think they're trying to take back that word and like make it empowering, which I love because I think it's been used as a hard, like a curse word almost, like just a yeah horrible, especially growing up for me when I was little. I mean, all the jokes that were like that. I mean, in in uh, you know the sitcoms and different things that were on TV when I was yeah. little. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, it's just crazy. The movies, like you go back and if you watch some of these things from like the 80s and 90s and how like horrible some of the humor was when it came to like people that were like heavier, I literally think that that shaped me to be like scared of being bigger. Like, yeah, I, I just can't. I just remember thinking like, I will never have, no one will ever love me if I'm this size, like especially boys. I was so boy crazy when I was little, like I'll never get attention. Mm -hmm. And then when I did get older and I actually got really, really skinny, I was getting a lot of attention from guys in my twenties. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was the unhealthiest I had ever been. And I was drinking so much. Yeah, I was just drinking You're a lot like, oh, and not skinny eating. Equals attention. Equals people love me. Equals accepted. Yeah. Equals this is the only way to do it. If I'm if I'm heavier, people won't like me. You start you start having the, all those oh, little yeah. dots connecting in your brain. And it was like all the wrong attention. Like I wasn't getting attention from like yeah. quality people, quality men. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care. Like, um, and so you know, a lot of all of that messaging though that I've received does not go away. You know, I'm talking about it. I'm 43 years old. And while I've been through so much, yeah. um, this, this healing journey, and I continuously work on loving myself really wholeheartedly, I've come so far in the last 10, 15 years, those messages are still there in my brain. Like they are, they're just there. Like that inner child that feels disgusting in a certain outfit or feels like disgusting because she ate something and is feeling ashamed is still there. It's it's not as loud, but it's still there. And I just think I have the tools now to know how to kind of like talk differently to that voice. Um, I know how to talk to that voice in a compassionate way. And I know how to say, I know how to make that voice a little bit quieter and, and the other voice of feeling lovable and feeling enough as I am is louder. Not all the time Mm -hmm. though. (laughs) There's still moments. Um, you know, if you see my stories every now and then I share those moments, I share those moments, those real moments when I, I remember like three weeks ago, I ate like what I thought was the most disgusting thing to eat, but like in a delicious way. And I felt so horrible about myself. And I was, and I posted on my stories and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so ashamed right now. Like everything that was just in my brain, just everything, 
I was so ashamed. Why did I eat that? I'm so disgusting. Like you, oh, you're, you want to lose weight and you're never going to do it if you keep doing this. I mean, horrible things. And I got such amazing, amazing, people are just really are amazing as much as people are bad. <laughs> there are so many wonderful people that follow me and that are part of my page because they're sending me such kind messages of like, I could totally relate, but you have to remember you're beautiful, blah, 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 and whatever. And I I forgot for a second, like who I really was. I was in that place again. And you know, I think if it was back in the day, I maybe would have stayed in that dark space for a long time. And now I just know how to get out of it a lot quicker. I kind of acknowledge mm-hmm. that it's there and I feel felt ashamed. I really, you know, I talked about it um, and I was open about it. And I, I recognized that this was, you know, these voices that I, that are not based on truth and they're making me feel like ashamed, but, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of, right? Like I am who I am. And okay. So I wanted to have like, I want to indulge in something. That's okay. You know, I wasn't binging. I know what that is. It's definitely not binging. That would have maybe been something where I would have really been concerned for myself. But, um, and so, you know, it's just acknowledging you still have these things that come up for you sometimes, you know, like, do you feel like that? And you said with your health anxiety that comes up for you still, like that stuff with the food, does it, does it come uh, up in other ways for you anymore? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hang on, let me finish my story on. So basically I got to this point where I feel like I went into like orthorexia and then I was like learning about how it's okay to be in moderation. And that's when I actually got to do my rotation in the eating disorder facility. And I think getting to see patients first, like with my own eyes and getting to like be on the other side of it, I had so much love and compassion. And I noticed a lot of people who work in the eating disorder facility have that love and compassion. And so I feel like it's one of those things that sometimes you go through and you get to find your way, right? Like sometimes we're allowed in life to go through these really hard things to like find out what we're supposed to do in life and just develop a sort of compassion for other people to never want anyone else to feel that way. And so I remember for a while thinking like, oh, this is like the path I'm going to take. And uh, luckily, like I did get into private practice and I do do a couple um, eating disorder patients still. And so it's so full circle for me how I thought that I was going to go into my degree and just be this like weight loss coach. And like I was going to know all this, like how to make all these people skinny and my fa- myself skinny. And like I just had all these like bad thought, like the thought process behind getting that degree was so bad. But it has become so full circle in going through all this in life that I now am on the other side and like I just want to be that support for people who were little Taylor, you know, and it's it's really cool how life works out, honestly. And I just feel like now I'm at a place where uh, super moderation, like I'm very, very big in I, – I do believe that food gives us benefits and we should we should definitely do that. I am not – 
I so so with the body positivity thing, I think it's so amazing. I do believe I read the book, um, and everybody should read this book. It's uh oh my gosh, bodies at all health health. Oh my gosh, it's basically I feel like I, I can't remember the on. name. It's like healthy at every size. So basically, if you look at someone and you're like, oh, they're fat, right? That bad word you say about them. They are. They could be at their healthiest size at that size versus – so this is the thing we would do in the eating disorder facilities is we would push their daily nutrients, so daily calories, to a certain degree where we felt their, their weight started to level off at where their body should be. So everybody's body has this place of balance, right? So if I'm going to eat a balanced diet each day, this is where my body weight falls, not starving, not being in a calorie deficit, being in a calorie, normal calorie limit for your body and your expenditure. So what we would do is we would get these patients to that diet. We would get them up to that diet level and basically where their body weight would fall into like where they stopped gaining and stopped losing, that's where their body weight was supposed to be. And some people, we just have different genetics. So it's like if you eat this many if you eat the correct amount of calories for your expenditure, your body, your height, your everything, right? Your body might end up here on the spectrum where it's like someone else might be here. It's like it's health. Oh, health at all sizes. I think that's the um, that's okay. the book. Whereas someone who might be a little bit bigger, if they were to lose a lot of weight, they're actually more unhealthy. It shows based off metrics, like if we did tons of blood tests on them, that their body is actually more unhealthy at that size, more stressed, more just their body's not meant to be at that size. And so this whole idea that this is what skinny is, right? We see a picture and we're fit. We see a picture and we're like, this is skinny. This is fit, right? This is what everybody wants to be like. That's not healthy. That might be like visually what we want. But when we're thinking of health, longevity, when you're 80, I don't think you're going to care if at 20 and 30, you looked society societally acceptable, right? It's like we have to like really remind ourselves of those things. And I think that was really cool to educate the patients on at the eating disorder facility is that this is your beautiful. This is where your body wants to be. And um, I think that's a really cool thing because you see a lot of like uh, patients who get like the weight loss surgery or uh, gastric bypass and all that stuff. And they actually end up a lot more unhealthy than they were beforehand. And that's a really scary thing. And I've seen patients just completely spiral. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I actually know uh, some people personally who have had that surgery. And we talk about that a lot. Actually, a couple of my friends who um, still struggle so much with mm-hmm. still feeling like they are in that in that body before the operation and that that's been the hardest part of it all for them. That's the other thing. You never forget that. If you do extreme weight loss like that, sometimes you end up mentally worse. They've they've done studies that show that these people who lose all this weight and have this huge transformation are actually more unhappy in the end than the beginning. It's never enough. You never 
So, so it, it all comes down to just acceptance, acceptance of who we are, acceptance for who we were put on this planet to be. We are all so unique. We all have so many things to offer. And then we just look at things as, okay, am I eating cheeseburgers for every single meal every day? Probably not a good idea, right? <laughs> so it's like, let's do an 80-20. Like, it's okay to have dessert. It's okay to have a pizza every once in a while. It's okay to go have your favorite splurge meal all like a couple times a week. It's okay to do that. Like, like allowing yourself to do that. But then like the other meals, looking at it as how can I make this a yummy, healthy meal that's nutrient dense to help my body. So like looking at life like that is so beneficial to people for long-term and just your mental health. People who are so stuck in the weight loss society and just being this ideal fit and ideal skinny are truly some of the most unhappy people. No matter what skinny you get to, are you ever really happy? Because I think about when I was my skinniest, I still didn't think I was skinny enough. I still wasn't happy. It was never enough. And I think that's the thing. It's never enough. There is no weight you're going to get to where life is just going to be happy. There is no. And then I think once you get to that mindset where you recognize I was never really happy when I was going through that and I was my most fit, I was never truly at my core happy. You get to this point where it's like, I just want to be happy. And what does happy look like? Happy looks like living your life, not letting food and exercise and making sure after you eat something, you're running and doing something physically fit to get past it, whatever. It's truly just enjoying that meal and being able to sit at that table around the people you love and not feeling guilt and knowing that this is good for me. Yeah. I think that's I think that's kind of the the message of so much of what we talk about is like when is it, are we ever going to be enough? Are things are are is life are the things that we do in life like ever going to make us feel the way that we expect to feel that will be like no pain mm-hmm. anymore, no worry, no fear, like no anxiety. You know, like, will we, what can we do just to never feel those things again? I feel like that's what is wrong with a lot of um, the way that, the way that we try and educate on like healing, right? And gosh, I don't want to bring it back to this. We're not going to go on a spiral or tangent, but, but, but medication, like, pharmaceuticals, right? You know, they, you want to get rid of pain. You want to get rid of bad thoughts. You want to get rid of things, right? It's like, give me a pill. I just want it gone, right? Like, again, very much an advocate for medication when it's prescribed (laughs) appropriately and managed appropriately, 100%. Science, love it. So, so beneficial. But that's not just the cure of everything, you know, just like you're not going to just be skinny, skinny, and then you're going to be so happy. Like nothing is just, when is, when is anything, when are you just going to feel like you're enough? Right. Even if, when are you going to feel like it's okay to feel a little bit of pain? And I'm talking about like emotional pain, right? Like when is it okay to feel a little sadness and feel a little, um, scared, feel a little worry, right. And be okay. When, can you find about it's just and I think that's the biggest message is from from us with this whole entire podcast is just like managing it finding your your toolkit that works for you being able to know that you can 
love who you are some days. And then like other days, it's harder for you to love yourself. But Mm -hmm. in the big picture, you know that you're still enough. Maybe there's some days where you're just like, I feel unlovable today, but I know that I do know that I'm enough at my core. But my thoughts are just making me feel really doubting that sometimes. But my thoughts are thoughts. I can always shift the way that I think about things. What do I believe about myself at the core? Maybe you don't believe that you're lovable or you don't feel like you're enough or you feel like you're a failure. And that is the work that's going to be so important to do throughout your life. Those core beliefs, they can change 1,000%. But it's like chipping away at an ice with an ice pick. You have to just slowly every day work on those exercises that make you change those core beliefs. So hopefully this helps. And I think that if anyone can relate to this, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, we'd love to continue our real life healer series on here. Um, We're going to bring on some more people. So if anyone's interested in maybe coming on the pod and telling and sharing their stories, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at theanxietychicks at gmail.com. And we'd love to bring you on because we've been getting some good feedback about getting some real life healers on. Oh, that was heavy. So go do something fun now if you're listening to this. (laughs) Go, you know do something for self-care, surround yourself with people that like love you for who you are and just know that you are enough as you are and follow us and make sure you just follow those pages that lift you up on social media and practice some mirror work. Yep. No, you're not alone ever. No matter your craziest thought, it's not alone. (laughs) Someone's been there. All right. I know. (laughs) All right, you guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.